one last thing yeah. that is interesting. So like when we go to like if I post a job, job posting, like, hey, we're going to hire someone for production, which is someone who works in the shop and they cut and brand and run sewing machines and make things out of leather with their, with their hands. I get all these awesome applicants and like emails and like most of them read with like, I know my resume is like all restaurants and banking or something, but I just want to make stuff with my hands mm. and I can like relate to that. Like it's mm-hmm. like a primal instinct or something mm-hmm. where you kind of like, just like want to create something and it's kind of like gratifying. Like they say people that drive like heavy machinery are super happy because they're like move that big pile of dirt and then they can immediately see that they, what they did. Yeah. You know, you can like immediately get that. And so I think there is some of that. I mean, definitely going on here where you can see like oh there was hides of leather and now we have finished product and there's some gratification in that process uh, which is what you're feeling where you want to make something and that was gabriel hargett he's the guest on our podcast today he's the founder of ooey products a handcrafted leather goods company based here in the fine city of Asheville. And this is the Making It in Asheville podcast, a podcast where the two of us sit down with people like Gabriel and ask them what they're making and how they are making it in Asheville. And we are your hosts. This is Tony, and that was Sarah. And we're really excited to share this episode with you. Gabriel is a complete sweetheart. We got to visit his... You always call I do. people sweethearts. sweethearts. <laughs> but they are. I mean, he is... Um, so before this episode, we spent like, I want to say it was close to an hour, 45 minutes, like walking around their relatively brand new this year factory um, in Candler. And we were, I mean, I, I thought it was like a candy store with all these cool tools and machines and we got to see the process. And in this episode, um, we talk about a lot, but we talk about taking this idea, this like itch that he had he made his own little leather koozie for a pint glass and turning it 10 years later into a i would say thriving business they're working with titans of industry building promotional products for brands like mercedes and tito's vodka and all of the bourbon belt and it all started 10 years ago as like a little project yeah and i think one of the really interesting things here is learning about his transition from working a full-time day job uh into you know going into this new leather goods business which at the time was like a passion project on the side um going into the business full-time um so he talks a lot about you know the benefits and disadvantages of doing that which i think is very interesting for anyone who might be thinking about making that leap. Yeah. Um, and another awesome part of this story, the Ui product story, is that Gabriel today employs seven adults with autism. At one point, there were 13 on his payroll. Um, it's a really, really cool, um, you know, private-public partnership where he's working with a, uh, a nonprofit for years to kind of support that endeavor. And I think it's remarkable when we talk about it in pretty good detail on this episode. I'm absolutely in love with that part of the Uwe story as well. And this episode is brought to you by the Chop Shop Butchery. When Tony and I first moved to Asheville, one of the first things we did was research where we could buy our meat from. I'm an avid chef and Tony really loves to eat. And so this was really important to us. The Chop Shop was our first and only stop. 
We felt so welcomed and cared for by the staff. And after we took home some meat, we knew from the taste that this was our shop. And we love buying our meat from the Chop Shop Butchery because we know that all of their meat comes from local and trusted North Carolina farms. We know it's fresh. We know it was butchered and prepared in a way that was respectful to the animal and wastes as little as possible. And we know all this because the Chop Shop Butchery is one of our clients. Um, We've been in their back offices. We've been to the cut room. We have even visited their farms. And we've seen with our own eyes just where this food is coming from. And the best part of all is that we actually have a special promotion going on with the Chop Shop Butchery right now. So from now until Thanksgiving of 2019, you can save 10% on your entire purchase at the Chop Shop Butchery. You can stock up on your favorite cuts, your steaks, sausages, pork chops. You can even get your Thanksgiving turkey with 10% off. To learn more, all you have to do is visit makingitinashville.com slash chop shop. One more time, that is makingitinashville.com slash chop shop. And you'll have all the information you need for this special discount. Cool. All right. Uh, without further ado, episode 27. Episode 27 with Gabriel Hargett. Enjoy. So, how many square feet is this building? This building is about 8,500 square feet. And so, I wish we could utilize all of it. But we're really in about 4,500 square feet, the leather shop is. Because the top floor, we haven't found a good way to use it. And it's currently up for rent. Cool. Yeah. That's a good way to use it. Yeah, I mean, it actually is helping pay the mortgage, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, it was. I wasn't really trying to go into the real estate business but when i was looking for buildings this was just the best deal and i loved my land that Mm -hmm. i got i got like you know some land with it with potential building later and it had the rental properties like i was actually looking to buy a five to ten thousand square foot building just for the leather shop because i think that we could scale and that's how much space we're going to need and so later on we could move upstairs um or just like build another building in the lot right um, but it was just, you know, like everything else, way more difficult to buy a building <laughs> and become a landlord. Even being my own landlord is difficult. Like there's seven bathrooms in here and I get asked to fix a toilet like once every three days. <laughs> so hopefully that's gonna, hopefully I'll get them all totally redone <laughs> shortly. It's the little things that you yeah. don't think about landlord plumber founder manager right i actually did start another company that is that owns the building and so i like rent for myself Got it. and it is the building is like keeping its own books and we have tenants now and stuff that makes sense uh, that has so that's very interesting to me i'm wondering um did the comp did the other company buy the building or did you buy the building and then sell it to the other company like what is so i started a new company it's called ui properties uh-huh. llc and Ui Properties bought the building, and then Ui Products leases the building huh. from Ui Properties. And is it the same kind of like? So we're we're just we're very 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 early in like thinking about homeowning and buying a house. Is it a similar process? You go into a bank and saying, "Hey, I it, need the rest of it." It's it's far worse. It's like buying a home is like dreamy compared to buying a commercial building. It's just the uh, everything about it is far more difficult, and you have to have a lot more money. 
and like the average like i think the the true average um length of the loan the uh amortization period is five years so basically you have to like like this building needs to be paid off in five years oh whoa and that's like normal that's a sixth of (laughs) home loans yeah Yeah, they don't want to give you the bank's not gonna just give you 30 years to pay pay them back businesses you know have a higher failure rate and um so anyways like the more the the to actually get a loan Mm -hmm. is harder um and then um the interest rates are like way higher like everything you know if you buy a if you wanted to get a telephone for your house it would cost like ten dollars a month but the telephone for a business costs like one hundred and eighty dollars a month for like a AT and T phone right. or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so that's just like what happens with business. That's nuts. We experienced something like that recently, which is if it were a party, it would have been you know five thousand dollars, but it's a wedding, so it's fifty or eighty. You know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's very interesting. Cool insights. And so we dove right in. We're in. A, we're in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> Welcome and. I think maybe we, because we kind of sprinted right into it, maybe we just start by saying, like, who you are, where we are, and what year in business is Uwe? Like, how, how long have you been at this thing? Yeah, so uh, so Gabriel Hargett, and uh, I'm the founder of Uwe Products here in Asheville, North Carolina. And um, new shop is currently in Candler, which for everyone out there on the internet, <laughs> it's just West West Asheville. <laughs> But uh, uh, we're in our new building that we just moved into at the beginning of the year and um, have been in business for 10 years making leather products. And so we manufacture um, leather uh, leather goods for everyday use. Um, we're really well known for our uh, line of beverage accessories. So, um, you know, our pint glass sleeve kind of put us on the map, which is the leather sleeve for a 16-ounce shaker pint. But now we have a whole variety of products that we make. I think that's very safe to say. We just finished a tour of the uh, eight. You said eight thousand, but four, so four four thousand square feet basement of the of the new workspace. And I think the amount of products that you have, the amount of cast that you have for the stamps that all of the it's. It's crazy. Like it's, it, I can't imagine trying to juggle all of the, all of the possible things that you can sell and all of the versions of them in my head. Um, I imagine that it didn't start this way. Did it start with just a pint? Um, so yeah, it's definitely been an organic growth process. Mm-hmm. Um, it is true. When you walk around the shop, there are like lots of people and machines and like things happening, and they definitely have been organically growing like this. You know, I didn't have like sort of a dream, which was to be like self-employed and make stuff in the U.S. Basically, like I wanted to do like I want to, you know, like people are always saying you can't make things in the U.S. anymore. And I kind of just wanted to say, yeah, we can make stuff here. You know, like I thought we could and we can, you know. Um, And so but it definitely has been, you know, organically growing. We started with one product. You know, when I started this company 10 years ago. I wasn't even really trying to like go into business. I actually like loved my day job, liked all my coworkers, like my boss. I was just like wanting to kind of explore like my, both my parents were self-employed and I just like was just kind of thinking, oh, this would be like a fun activity, like side right. thing. Passion you know? project. Yeah. 
and um, a lot of it happened with the craft beer industry because I was making these leather uh, pint glass sleeves and just giving them to my like friends and I was putting these like vintage bicycle head badges on them and which I bought on eBay which is awesome. <laughs> eBay seems to be a theme in the tour. Uh, e- eBay is where you go buy just ridiculous stuff. Like impulse shopping on eBay is just too much Another fun. passion yeah. project. Another passion project. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so I was making these pine glass sleeves and then the breweries were basically like Highland Brewing and like the Wedge, some of our local breweries here in Nashville were just like, hey, we'll buy those from you with your logo on them, with our, with our logo. And um, that's kind of how it started. You know, it just sort of was like, okay, you know, that sounds cool. I'll make some for you. And, um, and then it just sort of kept on growing. It's like, where do you stop? You know, you just keep on moving forward. Um, but it definitely, we definitely grew with the craft beer, uh, the breweries and that was our kind of our first account. And our, our main product is the pint glass sleeve, um, that we, that really kind of was the foundation of the company. Where did the name Uwe come from? Uwe is, um, just a funny word that, Definitely, like, you know, back when I was naming the business, I was yeah. just, like, wanted to do something fun that was kind of, like, I thought it was, like, Yahoo or Google or something. And you can just do, like, whatever you want with it, you know. Um, one of my best friends had a dog named Oodley, which somehow that, like, is what I was thinking about. Yeah. But um, but Ooey is, like, a funny word. It's in, like, music. and, mm-hmm. um, and We you were can... kind of thinking, like, like yeah. <laughs> that no, kind of sound that people make. Yeah, I think it's a fun word mm-hmm. to say. Um, people don't know how to say it or spell it. So, yeah, if you're thinking about naming your business something silly, you should consider that. If people can actually find you on Google, mm-hmm. right? But uh, but I think it's fun. You know, I didn't put too much thought into it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, so, when you first started, I mean, you said you were giving them away, and then all of a sudden it's Highland, which to me sounds like a insane or awesome first client did you did you sell the first you know uh uh leather pint sleeves without a business and then the business came as a result or did you were you already kind of like let's make an llc and throw money at it um Uh, well i like i I didn't always want to be self-employed like i said mm -hmm. both my parents were self-employed and so it was always something that i was like interested in and so honestly at some point i was like hey, you know, people like these and, you know, let me think of a way to make them. Um, and originally we were, um, we were, I was kind of making them off this head badge. So I was actually laser engraving like these um, custom head badges that were kind of modeled after a bicycle's head, ba- head badge. Um, but the brewer, you know, like Highland Brewing, for instance, I was, they were like, hey, we like those, you know, we'll, we'll buy them from you. Let's, we'd like 200 of them or whatever. And so then I was kind of like, well, well, that's cool. You know, now I have to figure out how to make 200 of these it's very different and um and so and i was really like just having fun with it like it was like you know definitely i was like just really enjoying the process like oh cool you know someone actually likes what i'm doing and so then i was trying to you know figure out how to cut them correctly and then how to do the logo how to do the logos you know and then working but highland's been been a great i mean like for 10 years now they've been buying our stuff yeah. and we have it in their, in their brewery now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, we worked with them to like, kind of like tweak some of the packaging and then, um, kind of like sum up the story, you know? So basically I did have like some demand. And so then I was trying to figure out, well, how am I going to go around about making these? And I didn't really want to quit my day job. And so I tried to work with industries for the blind. We were, I was like employing like 
friends of mine who would like sew them for me or like single moms or whatever, just trying to like figure out how to handle like, okay, people want these now Mm -hmm. we have to figure out how to make them. Um, and so it just sort of slowly, you know, we basically started in my basement, like every real American company starts in a basement or a garage Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, so I like, you know, bought like my first like machine to like cut them and was like, kind of like, you know, and especially in the beginning and even now, you know, I love toys and uh, tools and stuff. So I got to like buy some cool tools and like, you know, buy a bunch of It's an excuse to buy something that you wanted to buy anyways. But it was fun though. And, um, and then I started looking for the, the Autumn Society I really uh, discovered in 2011, which, but like, I was like, I, even though, so for the, um, for two years, basically I was like working full time day job, just doing it. What were you doing? I was doing orthotics and prosthetics. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I've always been on the tech side. So like from when I was like 14, I was a bicycle mechanic and I always like worked with my hands and, um, did, you know, technical work. Um, but I ended up getting into orthotics and prosthetics in my like early twenties and I just loved it. Love my day job. It had really great coworkers and I like my boss and I got to make people legs and like, so made prosthetic legs and external bracing for the body. Wow. And it was really like rewarding and like, for a guy who like loves tools and like making stuff with my hands, it was just, just like awesome, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so that was going well, but it was a little bit like frustrating because everything that I made in orthotics and prosthetics was a hundred percent custom. Mm-hmm. And you'd like spend like all this time making a tool, making a process, making a jig, and then you'd make like one part and then you would like throw it all away and then like start on the next one. And somehow I just like really wanted to make like the same thing twice and like actually like refine the process, <laughs> which is kind of was like, well, and then this like, you know, making leather beverage accessory idea kind of came along and I was like, cool, I can do this. You know, I can like, I can refine this process and make it really good. Yeah. You know, and like actually make the finished product really nice. Um, but the autism society was a huge turning point. I really like couldn't have done it without them. I mean, mm-hmm. I needed like a workforce to help me sew the products together and what gave you the initial idea um well the initial idea came from the demand i actually did have customers i had this account called the flying saucer it's a pizza brewing place they have mm-hmm. like i don't even know 60 locations or something wow. you know call us and like want way too many leather pine glass sleeves <laughs> and so then i was really like looking for like you know like i said trying to get industries for the blind to talk to me which they kind of thought i was too little and i'm sure i was probably at the time and then i just had a connection at the autism society of north carolina um kelly stamey give her a shout out um, she um connected me with some of the people that she was working with and they had a program um at the time where they were looking for businesses to partner with and they were basically they had adults with autism that wanted to have jobs that they were trying to employ and they were looking for businesses that had tasks that they could do. And so they were like folding pizza boxes, they were shredding paper. And at the time they had a facility for them to work in. They had work rooms, they had like break rooms, they had like, you know, nice bathrooms. It was really good. It was really a great and so I kind of fell into this um to this program they already had in place. It was called Blue Ridge Bags at the time. And um they started to sew leather sleeves together 
and it just really took off and worked really well kind of uh, immediately. And uh, that was at this point, what, 2012? So that's probably like 2011 when we started doing the when the Autism uh, Society kind of of stepped in. And and back then, I was actually, we were giving 60 cents for every sleeve that we sold to the Autism Society. Mm -hmm. So they're basically, it was basically like, I've always been employing adults with autism, you know, like UV products. We're, we're partnered with a state-run nonprofit. They've been really good good partners to me from the very beginning, as you're kind of hearing the story. Um, but uh, at that point, they were actually – they were employing the adults autism in this work program, and I was just like one of the businesses that was mm-hmm. involved. But from 2011 to 2015, um, UV products sort of just like took over that – program we were like they weren't really doing anything else but mm-hmm. they were just like sewing lots and lots of leather sleeves together which was great and so we were like you know i was cutting them and branding them and by this point i'd rented a place over at the mill at riverside mm-hmm. and had like a location and i'd quit my day job and like decided to focus on the leather business which was a hard decision you know anyone to like decide to make that leap um but anyways so they that worked really well. We had at one point we had thirteen adults with autism uh, working um, sewing leather sleeves, which was which was awesome. And about how many do you have now? We have um, seven adults with autism that work here now, and they are on our payroll. They're like W two employees, mm-hmm. and they you know get paid every every two weeks. And um, but that changed in twenty fifteen, and it was really about um, some like some laws had changed with the state funding and. There's, it's pretty pretty highly regulated for us to basically comply um, with to have the job coaches. So the state actually drives our adult autism to and from work for us. And they like if I wanted to hire someone today, I could call the autism society and say, hey, I need to find a new employee that's going to be working, you know, four days a week uh, from the schedule. And they would help me locate someone who was on the the autism spectrum that needed a job, wanted a job. And then help me, you know, get, get them trained, and then also make sure they made it to work every day, which is huge, huge, uh, huge yeah. advantage. Yeah. yeah, got it. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking about a bunch of parts of the story that you've uh, brought up so far. One is uh, starting to sell something while working a full time job. I'm wondering. Uh, you said it was a hard transition to go full time into UI. How did can you remember the things that you were thinking about at the time? Like, how did you calculate the risk? How did you calculate, you know, your risk tolerance and say, yeah, I can, I can do this. Um, try and talk us through that experience. Um, I think I probably waited longer than most people would have. I mean, it was really kind of like the first off, I really enjoyed my day job. Like I really wasn't like unhappy there or like, um, but I was having a lot of fun, you know, building, the company and I wanted to be successful. Like everyone just, you know, most, most people want to be successful. And so I was just like super excited. I'm like, man, it's actually working. Like I'm doing something that people actually like, you know, this is, this is cool. And then kind of like by, you know, just the way it worked out, we were also helping this other group of people, all of our guys with autism have employment. And, um, and so, I mean, I think that anytime anyone decides to, you know, quit a, a good job that is supporting them and had that stability and, you know, that job security. Um, it is, you know, you have to stop and think about it. Um, but the, um, so anyway, so I really have, 
I've always reinvested into the company. So, uh, I didn't have any debt, you know, or anything. The company was making money. Mm-hmm. And so I basically waited until it was able to essentially pay me what I was making. Pause. <laughs> Malfunction. <laughs> All right. So you stayed longer because you were happy in your full-time job. And so you got to a point where you were, you were, re- you were making enough. You're making as much from the company as you were in your full time job. Is that what I heard? Uh, well, pretty much. Yeah, I was. You know, like the. It wasn't as scary because it wasn't like I was leaving a job with no income. Mm-hmm. I'd already like started a business that was making enough money to pay me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I definitely paid myself very little, but like, um, and I went to Mountain BizWorks and did a business plan where you know figured out okay what's like the, you know minimal amount of money that I need for my to to survive and i and i definitely have always reinvested from the company and paid myself as little as possible to try and grow the business but Mm -hmm. basically um i had to just take that step and decide hey i'm either gonna keep going on forward with this business and leave my day job and do it full time or it's just gonna go away you know it wasn't like you know it's not sustainable like I, i always recommend when i talk to like new business owners to like, yes, keep your, like, don't quit your day job, like stay as long as you can. But at some point that decision will be made. And the longer you wait, the less scary it'll be because you'll have figured out if your new business venture is actually viable or not. And so I felt like that it wasn't, I mean, it was a big decision for me, but it wasn't that scary because I like at that point when I finally quit my day job, I already had income to replace it. So it wasn't like, I was living off my savings for right. any amount of time. What did the hours look like at that time? Like, were you working on the UI side on the weekends only or in the evenings? Like, how did that all kind of work out? In the When I was working a full-time job? Yeah. I was basically, yeah, just doing it, like, every night and every weekend and, yeah. like, working all the time. And luckily, I was, like, young and had lots of energy. But, I mean, anyone that goes into business for themselves is going to work way more than they previously worked ever in their life you just like you know and moving like I was running the business out of my house for a while which you really don't get any life work separation at all um and it's taken me like you know years to like try and turn it off where and I don't know if I do that great of a job now but like you know try and like leave work and like leave it you know yeah go be normal hang out with my family and you know I mean, so we happened to run into each other at a tourist game, and I imagine that's your world, though, all the time, where it's, uh, you know, you're you're doing a family thing, which is also a business thing, and then you see someone who, you know, we had emailed about potentially doing a a podcast, and so now all of a sudden you're back in business, whether or not that was the intention. Right, yeah. And I mean, and I I love working. Like, I really do. Like, I like, when I have, if I have, like, half a day off, I will just like start a new project or like make like a like a whole new thing for me to do. Um, but and so it is like part of like who I am, you know, like I like like living and breathing this like company. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is fun. But, yeah, I have, you know, um, Jamie, my partner, and we have a son, Weston. You met my mm-hmm. I have a three year old heaven's birthday this weekend. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. Um, and so. Obviously, like, I know, like, the, my friends and family, like, they don't want to talk about 
leather stuff like 24 hours a day, which is hard. I have to like remind myself that like, you know, let's talk about something else. Um, cool. Yeah. And so at the time, were you, um, did you have a partner? Like, were you just uh, a bachelor and you could work and burn the like late night oils on a business? Kind of, you know, I was like in a relationship, yeah. which I'm sure suffered because of like working too much all the time. Um, but essentially, yeah, I mean, I was like, um, young, I don't have any business partners, you know, yeah. I've always, um, which makes life easy, by the way. And all you people out there thinking about opening a business, just do it by yourself. That way you can make all your own bad decisions and yeah. blame yourself for it and all be good. Yeah, there's a uh, a guy who, one of the co-founders of the Meatball Shop, just I recently heard him on a podcast, and that's his advice after opening three restaurants, the third one he did, did alone. He's like, honestly, just start a business alone it's like way faster it's way better like yeah. you don't have you, to sp- yeah, spend as much time in meetings discussing every detail yeah but you know he's i guess three for three almost i guess lifetime on on successful new york city restaurant ideas um so he's got a little bit of a midas touch turning stuff into gold but um that's really interesting so uh it's mid-2000s you're living in Asheville. was the w- yeah. was there a like when what was the first office where did, you said you found it in the so the first um so Ui, you know started in my basement and i had like my spare room had like a little office in it for a short period of time and then i rented a space at the mill at riverside and we had a warehouse space and for a long time it for the in the very beginning it was just me working there i would you know i would take all the orders answer all the emails answer all, all the phones cut and uh, cut all the leather make you know print all of the images on it and then i would take it to the autism society so that's one of the things where i'm like you know we when we meet people today and we're like they kind of like you know like oh this big company or they think we're big you know like we'll think we're a big company but in the beginning it was just me and some autistic adults from the autism mm-hmm. society and they would hand sew everything and then i would you know package it and ship it um but at that location we grew you know into uh, i can't really remember how many employees maybe five or so and where and, are you now i guess for context um we have uh 14 employees wow. here um seven of which are adults on autism on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. that are part-time but yeah the crew has definitely grown even more than i had like really anticipated you know um but we have great people here and everyone's everyone's awesome i feel like i got a, I got a good crew now feeling good about my my guys we agree the yeah. the tour was fantastic and uh it seems like you have a absolutely awesome team of just good energy good good vibes yeah uh thanks yeah 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 i try hard to keep morale up you know one thing is like um at the end of the day it's like i want to work in like a happy healthy work environment mm-hmm. you know i don't want to be like stressed out and like you know it's like and plus we're making leather products like Let's just enjoy ourselves while <laughs> yeah. we're... I mean, obviously, we have to get the job done. Yeah. But there's no sense in it being unpleasant. Yeah. I'm into that. And so uh, if you're hearing uh, music in the background, that's morale. That's what's, ha- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's what's happening out there, you know? It's yeah. uh, thousands of orders of... And so it just also, I guess, for context, and maybe we can hop back into the story. Um, we're in 2019. This is almost... Ten, you said 10 years or so of running this business. And... Um, from the first client being Highlands, which is 
to me a home run. Uh, what type of clients are you able to say that you're working with today? Because it's pretty bananas, it seems to me. Yeah, so um, so we're really like, you know, we are manufacturing leather goods. We started off in the brewery industry, but we sort of like have, uh, over the years, we're really a promotional products company. We, we're co-branding a promotional products company. And so everything that we make here, we offer with, we can co-brand with your company logo. And so we work with lots of brands to make all kinds of products. Um, for um, so we work with like Wrangler jeans. We work with Tito's vodka. We work with Budweiser. We work with um, Mercedes Benz and um, a lot of really big brands that we do. Uh, we like all the guys on the Bourbon Trail, like Jim Beam and Jack Daniels and Four Roses and um, crazy. Uh, lots of lots of great accounts, which is awesome. I mean, I I'm definitely feel uh, super grateful to yeah. like have these accounts and have them trust us with their brand and you know allow us to like to do these projects with them um but it wasn't easy it, and that's not the way it's always been you know we've definitely been working i've been working really hard for a lot of years to like you know build the business into a trustworthy brand and um and yeah it's it's definitely been a lot it's been a lot of work so i mean some days i kind of think about just like you stop and reflect on like what have you what have I been doing for the last ten years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I wonder like if I put this much energy into anything that I put into this business, it wouldn't matter what it is. Like I would be like potentially like way more successful. <laughs> I mean, if I had become like a plumber, I bet I would have been like a millionaire by now. You know, <laughs> like or like electrician or something. Yeah, it was yeah. like you know just like the amount of energy that you put in. You know, the, yeah. what you put in is what you get out. Yeah. Uh, and so that's powerful. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm wondering too. You're kind of talking about different clients and how they've grown over the years. How did how did Highland first find you guys? Like, what? I think that I just was in there drinking beer with my pine glass sleeve, and I walked B- over. Byo, and they're like, PGS. "Who is this guy?" I, this I remember sleeve? the exact moment. I can tell you all about it. Yeah, I just w- was like in there hanging out, you know, and uh, and when I first was making the pine glass sleeves, they were just sort of like me and my friends. We would be like, you know check out these cool leather pine glass sleeves, you know? And I just went over, you know, I was talking to Grant, the uh, then manager of the tasting room mm-hmm. at Highland. Um, and he was just like, yeah, these are cool, you know? And um, we'll just, yeah, let's make some, you know? And so it was just like really casual and yeah. he was super nice. And Highland's always been really, really supportive. And um, and Oscar and Leah, you know, um, they've always been really receptive to, to like what I've been trying to do with the autism society and like mm-hmm. supporting me there too, as well. Um, and so it, they've been a great partner. Like I said, we've, we've worked, I've worked with them over the years on like trying to like develop the products. Like, you know, Hey, like what kind of customer feedback are you getting? Cause really like, especially the first, you know, even now we, we don't really talk to our end user that much. You know, mm-hmm. most of our customers are ordering it. And then we're putting their logo on it, like Highland. And then they're the ones that are, like, talking to the customer who's actually buying it. And so it's important for me to have good partnerships so I can say, hey, you know, what what kind of feedback are you getting about these leather can sleeves? You know, do people like them? And I like like the pints, yeah. like the leather quality or, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. And And so I imagine you're, you know, you're not uh, meeting the Mercedes-Benz activation lead at Highlands, but maybe you are. Like, how does now? How do clients find you today? What's it, right. what's the well, world look like? Yeah. So today, our marketing is a lot different than uh, me just walking into breweries and 
you know, yeah. uh, hanging out with the manager, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of how it started, which is way a much more fun way of marketing, by the way. <laughs> uh, but now I do lots of trade shows. Okay. And so uh, for me, like, you know, marketing has been a challenge. Like, that's one thing that I did take. Like, I took classes at Mountain Biz Works. And, like, that was one really big challenge for me is I was, like, not confident about, story. like, just trying to, like, you know, shameless self-promotion basically <laughs> like you know it was like just difficult for me and i was like nervous about it um on doing like doing sales pitches and like you know because obviously if you're gonna make something you have to sell it you know if yeah. i'm gonna now i've got a whole bunch of employees that you know depending on me to pay their mortgage yeah um we have to keep you know keep selling and so but anyways now we go to trade shows and we also are a member of a lot of trade organizations and so um, we work in the promotional products industry. We do a lot of business in that in that industry through distributors. Um, and I spend a lot of time now um, on the on the road, going to trade shows and meeting with potential clients. And then also um, we do these like um, experiential marketing events, which have been really popular, uh, and our clients really like them. Which is where we we not only make custom leather product with their corporate logo on it is that we actually go to the event and then we add custom initials. We customize the product on site. Mm. And so it's, it's not only are they getting their, their customers are getting a, a gift or a, you know, a, a leather product with their logo on it. They're getting, it has their logo on it and it has that individual person's initials and it creates this, it's almost like the pause where like when you're like thumbing through Instagram or Facebook and you're just like trying to slow people down and that's kind of like what's happening at like trade shows people are just like overloaded with with information and it's all happening too fast where we like they have to like wait and we have a one minute conversation with them and then we like pull out a hammer and like hand tool their initials into a piece of leather like Boy Scout style kind of you know yeah and it's just like it takes enough time and it's something that they they physically have something to remember but even the the interaction is something that you remember. So anyways, that's been kind of, kind of, kind of cool. So we've done a lot of those and I travel around and make lots of people leather gifts. Yeah. I think that what you're pointing to is, is a really interesting concept that, um, the idea of the pause and getting someone to actually be present while, uh, you're either interacting with them or, or communicating in some way, um, that I think that's that's a just a great insight, especially in in a space like a um, uh, what are they called? What do you, a, a trade show. A trade show where right. it's just like you're in a airplane hangar full of swag bags and you know freebies, and people sometimes just drive by just to grab whatever's free on the table, BS, and then leave if they even BS. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. And so to be like. Um, here's this um, experience, or here's this a really human uh, analog experience. I think that's really cool. I think it's a beautiful point. The pause. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important to think about what we're doing. Like, like you know, obviously we're making products out of leather. We're making leather leather patch hats, leather keychains, leather wallets. But it's like, why are we doing it? <laughs> and why, you know, why does someone want this product? And I, we have, I have spent like a good bit of energy just like thinking about like, even like our pint glass sleeves and our cans, like our most popular products, like why are they our most popular products? Like what about them 
is, you know, causing people to purchase them and like them, you know, and, um, and like one of the, if you look at like some of our new packaging and stuff, it's, it's about bringing people together over common interests and values. And so a lot of things that like, um, that I think that our products really, sh- really shine out is that they are unique. You know, we do a lot of products that are like a little bit different than what you see everywhere else, especially at like a trade show. But like if you're using one of our like leather can sleeves and you can get it custom with whatever you want. So it's like you love music and you love or love fishing or whatever, you know, and you have like your cool leather can sleeve and it's got something that you really care about. Like for me, I love fishing Mm. and I love talking about fishing. It's like just always enjoyable. That's awesome. You know, good fish story. Never goes never goes bad yeah. but anyways you might be hanging out at a bar or something and you got your leather sleeve with a fish on it and some guy is like hey i love fishing and you guys have a conversation <laughs> but that is honestly like what? one of like the real benefits you know and that's why our products are great for marketing is because if you have highland brewing on your sleeve or you have mercedes-benz or whatever and someone's like hey i used to have a i'm not good with mercedes-benz car um, yeah, but a diesel. It was an eighty-two. It was a diesel. It was had two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand miles. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might spark up a conversation, which kind of leads you back to that um, bringing people together with common interests and values. Yeah. And our stuff, our products do that a lot. I think um, you know, and and that's what we're that's what I'm trying to yeah. do with you know to do with them. And they're going to last a long time. And they're handmade by adults with autism, and so it's like kind of a cool story. Yeah, you know, I want people to know like that it's not just some junk made in china mm-hmm. yeah the way from our perspective there are so many layers to the reasons why your products are cool and uh the word that i like to use is remarkable like it's worthy of being remarked on right and so um when you say common values uh and interests i say yes but also leveled up to something that is physical and will last air quotes forever unlike you know uh, a like on instagram right it's one thing to also like the same post but that's fleeting that is inherently like a, a ethereal or it's going to disappear this koozie that was made by hand in america with american products has a story and i think that that's that's the thing. It's the it's the stories you get to tell well, to me. And and do you think the material itself being leather has some factor in that idea of common interest or or attracting a certain demographic or a certain type of person versus like a regular koozie that's made out of foam, neoprene, or stuff, plastic, whatever. Or rubber. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, that the material that it's made of is important. Um, and my background in, in orthotics and prosthetics, um, I got to work with lots of different materials. We worked with tons of different foams, um, carbon fiber, fiberglass, um, all different types of plastics, um, silicone, you know. And like I said, I like loved like playing with all these like cool materials and like getting to experiment with them from like their kind of like base form to then converting them into other things. But those materials are just like really bad for you. Like, mm. I mean, I would have like green and purple, like boogers. It was like, just like the, you know, they were just like not healthy yeah. uh, materials to work with. Like, you know, and we made really cool things out of carbon fiber, but it was like not 
a very, it was just like, I felt like I was like, this material is like killing me slowly. Like yeah. every time I make one of these products, I'm like dying a little bit. Um, so anyway, so wood, metal, and leather are what I feel are like the true, real materials. Yeah. And so when I, I really want to make, that's, those are the materials that I want to like, you know, I spend a lot of time yeah. making things out of. And like, you know, wood actually has dust. If we can just invent wood that doesn't, have any dust <laughs> that would be awesome uh but but you know like but i do like and metal is cool too you know so anyways i you know hopefully in 10 more years we can talk more about other i mean i do make i do have a wood shop here making that right. of wood and i am still learning more about leather and still making more things about leather yeah you know, i still i still think leather is a great material it's it's the material that we're using is cowhide and so it is a byproduct of the meat industry um, it is renewable. It will last a very long time, like 50. You could like take our products and throw them out the window, bury them in your backyard. They'll last like 50 years or so, but they will eventually biodegrade. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that they are better than, I mean, they're more sustainable. They will last longer, look nicer for a longer period of time, um, than any like foam or neoprene or plastic. But then they also like won't end up at the bottom of the ocean at some yeah. point yeah a hundred years from now yeah. true and um when i think of leather i think of the maybe it's a catchphrase or buzzword at this point but heirloom quality right like yeah. it's it's something that you can wear and wear but you'll probably never wear out and then you can hand it to somebody and they'll think it's even cooler than the day that it was made yeah yeah we have i mean all of our products have a lifetime warranty and so anyone out there, if they'll have one that's defective, send it back to us. We'll, we'll fix it for you. But you just don't wear, I mean, it's pretty hard to wear out a solid piece of leather. Right. I mean, the stitching could come undone or something, which we could fix for you. But um, we, and we've always had a lifetime warranty. And I think we've had like in 10 years, like two people like send their like leather koozies back, which they loved and they wanted the old ones back. They wanted them like restitched. Yeah. And usually we'll just like give them a new one and like fix their old one for them or something. But yeah. it really, I mean, it's, it's happened twice in 10 years. So that's crazy. No one ever sends them back, but, um, but you can, if you're out there and you got one. Good to know. And so I'm wondering, uh, when did Asheville for you, were you born in Asheville? Are you from Asheville? So you're here at least 10 years in my story. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been here for what feels like forever. I grew up on the Gulf coast in Mobile, Alabama. Um, and I moved here when I was 18 to ride mountain bikes, which I was like super, I worked in bike shops mm-hmm. and I was like Since 14. just super into mountain biking. And, um, I, you know, I'm really not doing a very good job riding. This is like one of the worst years I've ever had of riding my bike. I'm blaming this building on it, by the way, because I've been spending too much time trying to fix broken building parts. Uh, but, uh, but anyways, I just loved it. I wanted to live in the mountains and ride mountain bikes. So that's what brought me here, you know, and uh, I did that for a long, for a long time. And over the years, I've really just enjoyed Asheville and like loved being here. There's lots, lots of fun people here. Lots of good energy. It's, it's like really good community. You know, um, I do miss saltwater. So I do travel to go fishing whenever I can. Yeah. Saltwater, but it's good town. We're, we're getting that vibe too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people move here and they don't even know why. They just yeah. like jump on them. But like, 
I think especially, you know, I moved here in like 2004, mm-hmm. three, three, four, somewhere. Um, but like most people were here because of Pisgah National Forest and they wanted to like play in Pisgah or like they wanted to like, they were into whitewater kayaking or they were into rock climbing. They were into really enjoyed hiking and camping or like mountain biking. And now Asheville's really grown into a really big mountain bike town. I mean, it's, it's one of the best places in the country to live and ride mountain bikes year round. Um, and then the music, the music scene also brings people in. But now that Asheville has just exploded, I guess like there's beer. There's all these other reasons that people come. Yeah. But I think you should at least like appreciate the national forest that we're surrounded by. Yeah, and you're like you're cozied right up into which forest? Is it two, are it two sides that you have for us here in Kent? Uh, well, so Pisgah is right to right behind us here. Um, we're just past 151. Uh, Pisgah Highway, which goes up into the Pisgah National Forest. But Asheville, you know, has the Blue Ridge Parkway that runs through it. And then we have Pisgah National Forest all all around us, you know. What kind of hikes or outdoor activities do you like doing when you're not working here? I like to mountain bike. And I do love fishing, which, like, around here, fishing Mm -hmm. is like hiking in a creek. You know, you're, like, walking up, like, a little creek and fishing for, like, little fish. Um, but mountain biking is definitely my favorite thing to do. You know, like I do more hiking now with Jamie and Weston, you know, we'll like go out and do like, you know, more family style hiking, but mountain biking, you can like go see like so much more. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go like just cover more ground. Okay. Um, but I do love, um, we go to a lot of lakes and go like lake camping. So we, like take the boat and like camp off the boat, which is kind of like car camping, but better. Cause you're like, you know, plus you get to involve the boat, which is what I always try and do. Um, but like canoe camping and things like that are fun. Spend some time on the French broad. Have y'all done the French broad yet? We did a float. Um, but we've not been necessarily that far North on the French broad yet. Uh, what would be up in that way? Like, uh, graveyard fields is, uh, well, that's like way North in, in Pisgah yeah. or graveyard fields. But yeah, you could go like all the way to, it starts in Rosman, which is on the, like, west southwest side of brevard is where like the headwaters are right and then i think it takes like 14 days you can go all the way through like mills you know go like into brevard and then go from brevard to mills river and then mills river into Asheville, and then and then it turns into like more whitewater north uh kind of north of Asheville, like yeah. towards um hot springs and then you have to be like in like a like a raft and i actually haven't done that much whitewater rafting on the french brow but it is on my list you know things to to get into for sure yeah we um i think in this this first kind of summer we were preparing for a wedding we were buying a car we were you know starting a business and uh if there was a box that i had that was big and relatively left unchecked it's like spend nights in the the wilderness yeah did you, I mean, coming from Brooklyn, I imagine there's not a lot of camping that goes on. Not in Brooklyn. No, you got to kind of go up the Hudson Valley, which is a big trip if you don't have a car. So, yeah. you know, it's got to get on a train. It's, it's three it's or four hours to get, you know, out there. So, And then you're at a train stop, you know, so it's, right. uh, there's still work to do after hours and hours of travel. Um, but we figured out a couple attempts while we were up there and now it's, uh, it's just amazing that uh, we could hypothetically finish dinner, hop in a car, 
and be on the Blue Ridge Parkway on like a crazy overlook in 15 minutes. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of exploring to do around here. I mean, you can spend years and like I've spent 15 years like, you know, and going hiking or mountain biking or like almost every week for like 15 years and uh, there's still like tons to see. Mm-hmm. You know, plenty of like beautiful places. Um, so, I'm sure that y'all you'll you'll fill that gap. For sure. Yeah, we have a lot to explore still. Um, I have, I guess, we, I asked a question that led us away from business, but I have one more question, I guess, and that is, we're almost finishing uh, 2019, uh, 2020. What do you see as like the next phase, right? So you have this new space, you're almost, it seems, settled into it. There's still work to do for sure. What happens next for UI? Well, you know, it's so I, I did write a business plan for this business, which we have actually like I've completed it. Like I did what I set out to do, which is like kind of nice. Um, it was way harder than I was planning. It took longer, and it required more staff than I wanted to <laughs> than I was planning on hiring. But um, honestly, like I want to try and get. A, I feel like I've been like hustling years you know like i think the work work life balance is definitely something that i'm gonna try and work on uh, a lot of that comes down to like delegating and like uh relying more on my employees which like i said i've got great employees but um but yeah i do have i mean i do have some goals like for me to like keep a good staff you know obviously like the the real goal for me is to just like run a happy healthy company mm-hmm. and that does to do that you need to like pay people a living wage and, you know, and like, we don't be able to like benefits are crazy hard, you know, to offer. I do try my best on that. But, but anyway, so in the future, I would like to basically continue on our path, but do it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, um, try and just continue to like make those like small change, small steps forward. Um, that's definitely been my like motto the whole time is like, let's just keep on moving forward. It might not, let's just, you know, try not to make too many mistakes where we're going backwards, mm-hmm. but just kind of continue, uh, continue slowly moving forward. We're, we're not, like I just got back from Inc. 5000, which was this conference all about really fast growing companies. And I don't, you know, we, we've never been a really fast growing company. And I don't think that's just not the type of business that we are, you know, but I would like to see us continue to grow slowly, um, you know, a little bit year over year and, I think that if we can keep doing that, then, you know, um, myself and the employees, everyone can benefit you mm-hmm. know, as we make those slow improvements. Yeah. Is there anything specific that's kind of on your mind for this coming year? Like, I don't know, is it, is it a new machine, right? Because we know yeah. that there's a lot of machines or in here. Improving a certain process of the sort of assembly line that you have going on here, or is it? Um, you know, culture, like working on company culture, which seems to be already pretty healthy from the outside, at least. Yeah, I think company culture is something that you just have to like always work on. You know, it's important to like make sure everyone's still happy and, you know, figure out, figure out where the, um, the pinch points are. Um, yeah, there, there, I mean, there are definitely a lot of things in the works. Like this summer, I, I, for the first time in 10 years, I decided to go into retail, which is like, we're not, we don't have a retail store or anything. But, like, just, like, going into, like, more, like, we just got into Ace Hardware stores. Mm-hmm. And so we're fulfilling 
um, a lot of those orders now, uh, but we're doing more retail packaging and we're focusing more on the story on like not only what we're selling, but um, you know, why we're selling it and like, you know, how it's made mm -hmm. and getting retail displays. Like I was showing you guys earlier, we have a little wood shop here where we're making all of our wooden displays. Um, and so that's something that I took on this summer. Went to five wholesale trade shows <laughs> in like three months. It was exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like, I learned a lot. You know, it was like definitely like a learning experience this summer. And we picked up like, I don't know, a couple, like a hundred or 200 like little boutique gift shops and like little retailers where it's different from what we've been doing, where we've been focusing on doing, you know, uh, thousand pieces for Mercedes Benz or something, you right, know, right. um, and they buy them out. I imagine the companies buy them out, right? How does it work with the retail stores? Is it the re like consignment or no, they, 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 they do buy them out. Yeah. Right. Um, but we're just offering like, we're, we're, a, we're offering our logos. So it's like one of the first times, like we're really not like co-branding these products. Mm -hmm. Like we're just like offering a line of retail ready products that have like our messaging on them. Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily we, it's more about what I was saying about common interests and values where we have like logos that like appeal to like certain, you know, for us it's mostly like outdoors and yeah. hiking and, you know, fishing, fishing and, and I love Asheville and other things. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just stuff that, um, I mean, honestly, like the items are like really like going into a lot of the gift industry where it's mm -hmm. like made to where, um, Hey, this is, a, it's a cool product. It's got a cool story. And like your brother who loves hiking is going to love this like cool mountain logo, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and hopefully he'll meet someone when he's out having a beer somewhere that also loves hiking and they can talk about it. Um, sort of that, that concept. But anyways, I'm going to try and, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around next year and like plan like what we're going to do for like, like I said, we, I do a lot of trade shows, but this year I spent all summer trying to like make the decision. Like, am I really going to go, am I going to be in this market? Cause that's one thing, like whenever I bring on, like say, like we talked about leather belts and things that there's more, more to it than just adding a, a new product. You know, I have to then like present that product in that market and then like go through all the marketing efforts as well. <laughs> and so, um, I'm a little bit, it's like kind of daunting to me to be like, man, I'm going to go to it. Cause I already go to a whole series of trade shows in Vegas and Orlando and Dallas and Chicago it's like am I really going to get now go to all of these same all these other cities for the retail side yeah it's a lot or the, the fashion side for yeah. belts or yeah it's I yeah exactly right yeah like yeah you know depends on what you're, what you're going after but um but anyways I think there's gonna be some exciting stuff to come like we've got some really good partners now and like I've got a few um a few companies that I'm really excited about working with I think that we're gonna do a lot of stuff like do a lot of cool projects next year we also talked before we had microphones up on the idea of lean manufacturing and trying to just to consistently be improving this specific workspace um one of the things that i, I wanted to bring up because i think we might have mentioned it in a, in a episode in the past but uh in terms of books around that or is there anything like how are you learning lean manufacturing i know that you've someone on the team's gone to a class and you've had people come in outside of, um, I'm just wondering how, how do you learn lean manufacturing? So, um, I was approached, um, 
to get on a grant to do, to do a lean manufacturing class a few years ago. I'm not very good with timelines, mm -hmm. but I want to say it was like, I don't know, three years ago. <laughs> um, and um, I was kind of reluctant to even do it at first because it was like a three-month commitment, you know. Um, but we, I did it with a handful of other small businesses through NC State. Mm -hmm. And um, it, was a, it ended up being just a really good experience for me. I really enjoyed it. And I really felt like I did take away a lot from from the class and getting to apply it directly to my business and really just, it's really based on just concepts that you can, and I have a book that, that I got during the class and um, like some little worksheets and things that we can like sit down and do to like do our kind of like flow chart on how ways to improve, you know, basically you can, I mean, you can really apply it to like the funny, they always, one of their examples is like how to make toast and mm -hmm. you can like make, you can like go to your kitchen and make toast like 10,000 different ways, you know? And like, then you can discuss like which way is better into forever. You just, you know, whether you got the knife or the butter out or the plate first, and then you put the bread in the toaster or, you know, when you push the button down. But, um, but anyways, I took, a, I thought it was really interesting and so it, but the, the biggest thing that I took away from it is that we just have to continually, you have to stop and like, look at what you're doing and then assess it and try and figure out if there's some way to do it better. And then also like each person who's doing it, like if like you met Ike today, who was running the branding machine and Jesse and Ted sewing hats where, where if I have some process for how we should be sewing leather patch hats, but I'm just like, I'm not physically sitting there sewing leather patch hats is that you really need to listen to the operator, whoever's doing it, you know, and like allow each person to like make changes to their work station. Um, and that's something that, you know, you, I have to understand, you know, everyone that works here does things a little bit different and we have to decide like, okay, like what's the right way of doing it. And then like your way might not be the same way that, that I would do it, but it is still a correct way of doing things, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, standard operating procedures when we're doing the vault, we're doing volume, like we're doing, um, to keep the quality up. It's important that we, um, you know, are constantly monitoring like how we're doing it and ways to do it better. Mm -hmm. And then also like ways, um, that we can do it more efficiently. Yeah. I love that. There's a, a book because I like calling out books, the goal by, this guy's got a funny first name and then gold rat. Um, and it's like a parable business book that is rather large, but, um, very, very famous. And it's, uh, about a guy who takes over a factory and his process of being wrong a lot to actually figure out how to manage, uh, this place. And he has a mentor and he learns by like his son, who's a boy scout. Like it's all these, cool case studies that uh the final product is really interesting and the whole thesis is that um, business is a it's just a matter of understanding where constraints are and knowing that nothing moves faster than the tightest constraint right. so wherever the bottleneck is it doesn't it doesn't make your life better to uh do step one of the process faster if step three is where everything's getting jammed up, you got to yeah. fix step three. Um, it's a really cool book. 
yeah, lean's got a lot of that, yeah. the, the batch, the batch processing in there. And, um, I love it when I like walk out into the shop and like everything's happening at once. Like where like everyone's just like, you know, um, like there's things being cut and branded and sewn and packaged like all at once. Like everything's happening. I just like love that. I think it's yeah. like, it's just cool thing to like watch happen. But, but yeah, I mean, and then there's like, you know, it all goes back to morale too. Like yeah. we're, you know, I want everyone to come back to work tomorrow. I'm not going to like. I don't want to kill them every day. You know, we have to be sustainable too. Um, but when we can, we're right now we're doing, um, we kind of like max out at about a thousand pieces a day in here, which is a lot, you know, I think it's like, it was, uh, there wasn't too long ago when we could only do like 500 pieces a day, you know, in our, in our old shop. But, um, but we're all kind of like limited to like, you know, make so many pieces a day. Um, and then a lot of times when I'm like dealing with like new clients and like trying to like, decide whether or not to like accept orders you know i have to like factor that in too or i'm like you know it's awesome that you know you you want these and next week's not possible right yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, you know like and and like just turn you know turning work down like i mean i don't like doing it like i really do try and like work with like everyone but Mm -hmm. like there is like the reality where it's like you know what can we get done for you in the amount of time that you need it Mm -hmm. um yeah one of my goals is just to like be a little maybe like a little bit more sustainable where it's just you know not as many fires you mean like uh, urgent projects right yeah i mean i mean i would personally like to like you know not feel like i'm working so hard all the time at some point in my life yeah (laughs) not sure when yeah slow down a little bit here's to that yeah one of the questions that we always ask i feel like it's a good time to ask this question um is if we had a magic wand, what could we or someone in our audience do for you or for Ui products today? Hmm. Magic wand. Magic yeah. wand wish. Man, yeah. that's like genie in a bottle exactly. stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is And crazy. you can't wish for more wishes. Oh, we can't wish for more wishes. <laughs> We've had people ask that. Yeah. Um, you could just, you know, buy us all plane tickets. We're going to have a comp- company outing to the... Florida Keys or Bahamas or something. Cool. That would be good. You know, we could do, you know, I did do a morale day where we went to like Fontana and just like went swimming all day. You could sponsor that for us, you know. Cool. You could throw us a party. Yeah. We, I, all, we drink beer too. You can just send us beer and pizza. We're pretty easy. Beer and pizza. <laughs> so it went from, <laughs> like uh, it went from all, all of us <laughs> to the Keys <laughs> to a beer and pizza. Beer and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, we would be just as happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, that's that's really funny. I think all of those are are possible. We just need to find the right client who's got the real estate in uh, in yeah. the Florida Keys. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that um, you know you could boost morale and everyone would be happier and mm-hmm. everyone would get more work done mm-hmm. once we got back from our week long vacation. Yeah. I really I really like that uh, as an answer. Shows where shows where your head and your heart is. I like that. Are you guys closed at all? Do you close on the weekends or? We do. We're Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we have sort of a flex schedule, which I would recommend to other people who don't have like retail stores. So basically, we have some people who work here who are really awesome morning people. They love the morning, mm-hmm. and some people that don't love the morning. So we have like some of the guys come in at seven and work till three. Some people come in at eight, work till five, five thirty, you know, and like nine to five. So I mean, as long as everyone's getting their their jobs done, and we are all here basically nine to five. But a lot of the production stops at four. Um, but I do think that having that flexibility 
is important totally. for like everyone's mental health and morale. I like that. Yeah. I'm definitely a morning person. I'd be here from seven to three. Yeah. And then you'd have the afternoons to go do fun stuff. Exactly. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering uh, when you think about community in Asheville, what, when I say that, what, what things come to mind for you? Uh, I think Asheville is a very supportive community. I think that like as a place to like start a small business, like people like in Asheville are like very receptive to that and like will like support you like right away when you're like brand new and young, you know, you guys yeah. are probably experiencing that with the podcast, like that, like, you know, people are like, Oh, I don't know you, but oh, you're doing something cool. Like, cool. Come out. Let's do an interview or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I do think that opposed to some other cities that like, it's a little bit less intimidating here to like start small businesses, business, uh, and it might be because there's no jobs here, and so you kind of have to. There's also that factor where, you know, there's a lot of – we. I have, like, tons of employees here that are, like – not tons, but, have, you know, that are just, like, overqualified. This town is full of smart people who want to live here and are here because, you know, they're not here because they were born here. They're not here because, like, their wife got a job here or something. They, like, just want to live here. And so – it's it's cool that you're in a community where people want to be there. They're not like just stuck there or something. Right, yeah. Do you think that UI would have been as successful as it has been if you had opened it somewhere else? Mobile. Um, no, I don't. Because, I mean, honestly, we we kind of like we were lucky enough to come in with the craft brewery industry mm-hmm. and sort of like yeah. grow with the with the breweries. And that really was like the foundation, you know, um, even though now we've sort of branched out from that, we still do tons of business with, with breweries and we would do lots of, um, you know, uh, branded products that are catered towards the brewing and distilling industry. But I think Asheville really was like the right city for this business, especially cause it was like originally just, just leather, leather beverage accessories. Mm-hmm. And so we were like really focusing on, on that side. Um, I think that we could have survived, or like you know, technically we, we ship. We could really move wherever we want, but I do think this is a good, it's a good home base yeah. for the company. So speaking of breweries and pizza, do you have any favorite places? Do you have any favorite places? What are your favorite places to eat and drink in Nashville? Um, it's like well, where are my biggest accounts? Let's yeah. see. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> yeah. well, I have I have a three year old now, so like I things are changing. I play with toys and watch cartoons. Um, Things have changed a little bit, but I did used to like get, there was a time, you know, where I like really felt like I had my finger on the pulse of this town and like was like socially like out all the time, which really is not the way I am now. Um, being that, I'm, you know, just hanging with the family lately, but, uh, but I love, uh, the wedge, like the old, the old wedge down on the river is mm-hmm. like, I mean, if you want to get a beer and hang out in a parking lot, I feel like you're like it's like brings you back to like high school or something like hanging out down by the railroad tracks under a bridge for some reason that's like a fun place to have beer I totally agree um i think that's why people love it, it just like you just feel like i don't know it, but i love the, the old wedge i like the new wedge too and of course i love highland like we actually go to highland a lot now because we have a three-year-old and it's awesome for like they have every little option there outdoor playing at uh places um but I did hear you guys talk about pizza in the last podcast. Yeah. And you know what? What's like, I'm not like a super like foodie guy, but I really think that Mellow Mushroom downtown has some of the 
best pizza in town. Like, I mean, there's met, it's a it's a chain, but yeah, our yeah. mellow mushroom is cooler than most like mellow mushrooms, and it's like old. Yeah. But the pizza is legitimately good. Like, I don't they're like good at making pizza in there. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been to the one here, but growing up, I grew up in Atlanta, so there were several mellow mushrooms, and we sorted from them all the time. And it was yeah, like really really good. Well, the ones here, you like order, you sit down, someone smokes a bowl for like twenty <laughs> minutes. And no one talks to you. <laughs> then they come over and bring you like beers. Then you order a pizza. But somehow the cooks, they're just stoned enough to make like really good pizza. <laughs> they could still do their job. But anyways, I think the pizza's pretty good. I mean, we have had like uh, Favillas was good for a while. We had people like, I don't know, you know, we have we have a growing number of pizza joints. But um, I do like Galactic Pizza. It's on Sardis Road. It's like a new one that I think is pretty good lately. But like I said, I'm not like a huge foodie guy. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then, um, not to reveal any secret spots, but uh, let's say that I were trying to go mountain biking, and I'm not a mountain biker. I've mountain biked once, and I absolutely loved it. It was crazy. It was like a, I didn't know what to expect, but adrenaline unlike anything I've ever done. Very cool. Where would I? Where would you recommend I go? Um. I'm going to say, like, one of the probably, like, most recommended places and also, like, where I would really recommend anyone who's getting into mountain biking is go to Bent Creek. Bent Creek is, like, the city park of Asheville. It's, like, a mountain biker's, like, playground. There are, like, tons of people there. You can just go to the parking lot and, like, say hello to someone and go ride with them. Their trails are really fun and smooth and flowy and they're well-marked, you know. You're not going to get, like, super lost. Mm -hmm. But, um, so... So Bent Creek is always a great place. Like even people who have been riding for like 20 years love Bent Creek. It's like Mm -hmm. a fun place to ride. Um, And then Mills, North Mills river is not very far away. Mm -hmm. It's great for all kinds of mountain biking, camping, fishing, all kinds of good things. But uh, yeah, that's solid. All right. Uh, I have one, I guess, uh, other questions. So you've sort of alluded to it, but so this can either be to yourself or to someone getting started. Uh, like what advice do you have to someone who's just trying to make it in Asheville? Um, like past self, right? Hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's a challenge. You know, I'm, when I moved here when I was 18, I moved here with five of my like best friends and none of I, ever, all of them moved away like within like one to like five years and like none of them really like did excel here. You know, it was like, just like really hard for them to find like good work and just like, it's like challenging. Um, so I think that you do have to have the right frame of mind. Um, you know, that's like going to be a little more difficult than like moving to a big city. But also I think that Asheville has changed a lot. Like I really think like that in the, you know, the last 10 years, there are like more jobs here. The economy is better. You know, there's more people here, more people, like everyone complains about there being traffic, including me, but there's like, there's more people, more traffic, but it's also like easier to survive here. It used to be that Biltmore was like the only employer in town. You like either worked at the Biltmore house or you were waiting tables somewhere. Um, So advice to someone new to Asheville or new in business? What's Um, the question? Either uh, new to Asheville, trying to make it in Asheville, and so new to business yeah. or new to the city, um, either answer works. Right. Um, I would say if you're new to Asheville, just think about what it is that you want 
in your community, like why you're coming here. Are you coming here because you love music? Are you coming here because you just don't like where you live? You know, or like, and then like, I, you know, um, then just sort of focus on what you really want to be doing, you know, where life is a lot better if you're doing a job that you like. If you move to Asheville and you don't have a job and then you take a job that you like hate, then you're not going to like it here anyways, mm. you know? So you might want to like do a little thinking about what the reality is going to be. You know, are you going to be like delivering pizza when you get here? <laughs> or are you going to be working in some awesome job that you love? Yeah, fair. And if you're making your own way, what what would your advice be to someone starting their own business in Asheville? I would say that you just, I mean, I always try and encourage people when they, like my, I actually had a friend of mine come over to the house the other day. My neighbors was telling me about his business plan that he wants to do. And like, it's easy to like, like just like, you know, spout out reasons why your their business isn't going to work or whatever, yeah. you know whatever but i try and be encouraging and just like yeah like do it you know what i mean it's going to be super hard yeah it's going to like if you knew what was going to happen like what was actually going to be involved you would never do it <laughs> and so just do it just like go for it yeah. you know like uh i would say don't go in debt and just figure it out along the way those are my my two pieces of advice don't don't take a big loan out um that sounds really smart. Yeah. So we were talking in the car a little bit about how we were like, we haven't um, interviewed that many people that are making physical products. I think Eastwork was the closest thing that we could think of. But a lot of other people have been in the service industry mm-hmm. or offering um, some sort of more intangible product, let's just say. Um, so it was really interesting to learn about the process and the steps that you have to go through to make this one end product and how many people are involved and how it's all handmade and you know handmade for a reason mm. it's, it's you know that has been very different uh than other guests we've had yeah well scaling you know any business that you have obviously there's like oh this basic concept like i can cut someone's grass and make x amount of dollars or whatever but then you have to like scale it up where when you're making when you're in a business where you are making a product then that becomes a lot more difficult um because like we have to buy more machines we have to have a bigger building we have to have mm-hmm. a bigger like warehouse space we have to you know mm-hmm. train more people and um and that was really interesting when i was at inc 5000 conference like everyone was talking about scaling you know it's like scale you know we're going to grow the company 10,000% next year where it's honestly like we've had the opportunities here where like we have the ability to sell a lot of products but that's really just just like the first piece obviously we have to have someone who wants them or has a need for them but then we have to make them (laughs) and then we have to make them and like not lose money on the whole thing you know um and so yeah it is definitely um you know when you're in the product-based business you do have to think about how you're going to scale and then at like what point like when is enough enough you know like um right now we have about a four-week backlog of work which we usually keep between like three and five weeks of just like orders that are waiting to be made and that's the way i like it and so it's kind of like you know we can sort of scale up a little bit but keeping that backlog is important too well and it doesn't seem like you're you're scaling we talk a lot about the difference between maybe an entrepreneur and a business owner right so 
entrepreneur might be scaling so that they can someday sell that company to someone else. Um, and then they've, you know, built all this wealth into it and made money off of it. But it seems more like you're, this is your passion, this is your life, and you're scaling in a healthy way because you want it to grow in a certain way and have a certain culture and have a certain vibe to it that maybe someone who's just looking to turn out a, turn out a bunch of widgets, make it as profitable as possible, and then sell it to someone else would think of it differently. Yeah, yeah, maybe so, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people would just, you know, I mean, I'm, I do want everyone to work hard and, like, get things done, but I'm not trying to, like, you know run a sweatshop here like mm-hmm. we're like ethical manufacturing is like in the like cornerstone yeah. of the business model like i don't want to just i don't want to just make things in the u.s i want to do that i want to make things in an ethical way in the u.s um which is sustainable it's kind of like what i was saying like one of my goals would be to even make us like even i don't know make it like even more sustainable where you know people aren't like it. and I, I really think my staff does a good job like i don't think i'm like killing anyone here everyone's mm-hmm. like they all seem pretty rested in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, you know, like the, um, I'm envious. Like sometimes I meet business owners. They're like, oh yeah, I work six hours a week. And like, I've been on vacation for two months and that's like, that's awesome. Congratulations to them. Like, I don't know who wonder who runs their business for them. Like, I don't know. You know, um, uh, I spend a lot of time like doing paying taxes and doing payroll and like doing accounting and, making sure that our bills are paid and and that and it's funny like i love making things with my hands and but because i am business owner like some of that stuff you just can't get away from it's just i mean you can't even hand it off i mean i know that there's some people that say they do but i haven't figured out how but so i spent a lot of time in this office like sitting behind a computer which i don't like doing yeah (laughs) you know but it's just like one of those like realities it's gotta happen Dang. Well, we're so glad to have been here. Yeah, thanks for coming to interview me. It was fun. Yeah, yeah we really enjoyed it, and I've been wearing a Uwe beanie all, yeah. all interview, and I loved it. I hope it looks cool. Does yeah. it look cool? I think that we should put like a smaller patch on there, but that's just like it's funny. People love that patch. With it. it's just it's good. I think it looks good. Yeah, I think we just need to like you need to move it off to the side, maybe more over here. Yeah, I just knew that the because the headphones, so I'd only have so much. Maybe one actually. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's funny. We make we make tons of leather patch hats, tons of leather patch beanies, tons of like patches and leather parts for other like people. Yeah. Um, Did you make high five hats? They're very similar looking. Um, I don't think we did. Um, it's that leather patch hat. Um, is a pretty competitive market. Yeah. There are like a lot of like really big companies doing it. There are some other small ones. Um, I can dive in. I can tell you about leather patch hats really quickly which is like that our patches we, we went through that branding process that we did where we actually like apply logos to leather and that's one of the like key features to this company that we really stand out is applying logos and intricate um detail to leather and so all of our patches are actually debossed so we actually brand them with heat and pressure aside from laser engraving them which i showed you that as well we do have a laser engraver here and right. we do we do laser engrave leather um but on our leather patch hats, all of our production runs, we actually brand heat and pressure and, um, and we use real leather. And so that's like the big, like when you see other leather patch hats around, which they're like really popular now, the big difference in ours is that a, we use real leather and that we actually brand them and they're actually, um, machine stitched on where a lot of them are, they're made of like, uh, 
that's called PU leather, which is basically polyurethane, which is plastic. And so it's like a fake leather. It's laser engraved. And then it's just like glued on. But it looks like it's sewed on in a way. Oh, um, some of them are, but like mm-hmm. some of them, I mean, it just there's a lot of a lot of them out there, but those are like you know the ones that we're kind of competing against, I guess. Yeah. Well, this is sick, and uh, <laughs> I we will be singing your praises. I have already ideas for uh, who. I mean, it's not Mercedes, but like who needs to know <laughs> that you guys exist so that their clients know that you guys exist so that you know uh wheels are turning i'm excited okay. for you yeah yeah we all I mean yeah we're always open to trying to help out however we can you know if you're out there and you want something made of leather call, give <laughs> us a call shoot yeah, us an email yeah folks. that's what we do yeah and one day maybe even making it a nashville podcast we'll have a budget to <laughs> buy some you gotta talk to branded <laughs> leather products think that day is not in the so distant future i hope that we can do that um but speaking of uh, reach out if they want some leather goods how would people find you if they were looking for you on the internets so you can go to ooeeproducts.com which is o-o-w-e-e products with an s p-r-o-d-u-c-t-s dot com um and then there's you know all the stuff we'll link to it in the show notes and uh in the instagram posts and all the ways that we tell the story but you know you guys exist on the socials as well um it has been a sincere pleasure thank you for having us thank you for coming yeah it's right been on. it's been fun and that was episode 27 with gabriel hargett and ooh we did we like it <laughs> <laughs> ah yeah been sitting on that one all episode people <laughs> Ah. what an awesome guy and what an awesome story we really loved um doing this interview we loved visiting their workshop you should definitely check out some of their products Mm -hmm. they are incredibly high quality uh if you'd like to learn more about anything that we talked about in this episode or connect with ui products uh, we have everything listed on our show notes page just visit makingitinashville.com slash 027 and you'll have all the links and information in there for you. And if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoyed this specific episode, we would love to know about it. And you can let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We have links to it uh, on most of the descriptions of this episode. You can click to it. Otherwise, on the makingitinashville.com slash podcast page, uh, we have links to uh, Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you help other people find this podcast. We rank higher, more people see it, more stories get shared with the world, and that is cool, and for that, we are thankful. And as we come to the end, towards the end of season two, uh, we are gearing up for season three and we are always looking for new guests to feature on our podcast. So if you or you know someone that would like to be on the podcast, you can nominate them by going to makingitinashville.com slash podcast. Cool. So before we sign off one more time, this episode is brought to you by the Chop Shop Butchery. We have a special offer of 10% off of your next order. All you have to do is visit makingitinashville.com slash chop shop. Tony, episode 27. My goodness, my gracious, 27. that was my number in for sports. <laughs> do people care? Do you guys care? <laughs> <laughs>
That was my that was my number in sports. Great. Let my number was four. <laughs> cool. We blew past your number. <laughs> High five. High five.